Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Sorry, Timmy. Your mama and dada said we wouldn't be on our phones. It is hard to stop. (laughs) This is my first year at the convention. So much energy in the air. Oh, yeah, it can be a lot. Last year, there was a rumor that someone actually found true enlightenment and floated. Stop. Where's his booth? The cloud, I guess. Or maybe just the second floor. (laughs) I remember the first time I met Captain Breakdown. It was fourth grade, back when cargo shorts were all the rage, which was great because the pockets could fit my disc man. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in three, two, one. Okay, well, uh, welcome to the episode, this episode of The Struggle is Real. I am Omar Ramos, along with Veronica Avila. Hello, Vero. Hi, Omar. How are you? Very well, thank you. And of course, we have our home expert, Dr. Alicia Laos. Welcome, doctor. Hello, everyone. It's always a real pleasure to be here. Good to see you again, Dr. Alicia. Now, Building a Reasonable Skepticism is the name of today's episode. We'll be talking about decisions, change, and of course, priorities, and how to transfer those traits to our little ones. That's right. Joining our discussion today is Jeff Wright, CEO of Urban Ministries with vast experience in community and ministry. He's a loving husband and a father of four. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you today. Thanks for joining us, uh, Jeff. Now, the icebreaker is some decisions can have life-lasting impact while others are your normal day-to-day decisions. Is it hard for you to make decisions at this time in your life? Uh, the important ones, um, I think about. <laughs> the very, sticky ones or the, the important sti- ones? The sticky, the, <laughs> well, the life impacting ones. Yes, I, I take my time and I think about it and, you know, uh, the day to day. No, I kind of just go, go with the, the flow. flow. Kind of. If, if it, yeah, if it's good, I think. I don't know. Doctor? Well, that's one of the things, you know, you take personality profiles, you know, when you go to school and you have to take a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. One of the things that would always <laughs> pop, you know, is that I take too much time to make decisions. I got to wait. I overthink it. You know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm one that probably takes too much time to think things <laughs> through. And it's like, quick, I better decide. Or, you know, life will happen and it will decide for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Omar? You know, it's, uh, I think I'm in the same boat with Dr. Alicia. You know, it's just, it, obviously, there's different levels of, of situations for you to kind of bust out your critical thinking and, and, and make decisions in life. Obviously, there's the easy ones that you could do it with your eyes closed. And there's mm-hmm. other stuff that you just kind of have to kind of hypothetically come up with a scenario where you're like, okay, if I do this, this will be the aftermath. Mm -hmm. Just to summarize it, I just put a lot more thought into it versus just out of impulse. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, Jeff, how about you? Would you agree also with that? Does it have to do with maturity level? You know, one of the things that's critically important is just to understand that you got to face your decisions. And Mm -hmm. while it certainly is a matter of maturity, Often, we avoid decision-making. We don't want to make decisions. We stall. We procrastinate. But just getting into the discipline of understanding that life presents choices and priorities and the need to make decisions, and that's something that you won't run from. It's a, just kind of a first step. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now, I'm going to share a couple of tips for critical thinking that we got from Psychology Today. Mm. It says here, save your critical thinking for things that matter, things that you care about. So it's necessary when you care about your decisions or when the consequence of a decision is impactful. I think we would all agree with that, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Another thing is decide in the morning. People expend their cognitive energy on decisions throughout the day, leading to a higher chance of poor decisions hmm, as the load accumulates, such as at night. 
on this side, also from Psychology Today, very important to take a step back. We must engage a very important aspect of critical thinking known as reflective judgment. Mm -hmm. Taking a step back and thinking about the argument or problem a little bit longer. Now, oh, this one's interesting. Play devil's advocate. Our intuition is always going to tell us what it thinks we should do, that gut feeling, right? The instruction, of course, is going to be biased, reinforced by similar experiences, interesting, or choices in the past. To overcome this bias, play devil's advocate. In other words, truly consider your alternatives. And uh, the last one here, leave emotions at the door. Mm. If we want to be able to think critically or clearly, we must re- Remove our emotions from our thinking. Don't take it personally. Yeah. That's a big one. It is a big one. Now, we're going to go ahead and listen to our first sketch. And this is called, Why Change When You Can Just Relax? Okay, now, Timmy. Does the circle block go in the square hole? No. Maybe it goes in the triangle hole? How about the circle hole? (laughs) Yay, that's it! (sighs) Well, that's one activity down. Man, I'm tired. Maybe I'll relax with Instagram for a minute. Oh, Emily got a new tattoo. (laughs) Rebecca started a podcast. (laughs) That is a funny meme. Throwing that one a like. Wait, oh, John is going to see that, and we said we wouldn't be on our phones in front of the baby. Unlike. Sorry, Timmy. Your mama and dada said we wouldn't be on our phones. It is hard to stop. (laughs) That's right. I am going to be here with you. Now, do you want to hear a little bit of Rockin' Robert? Oh, man, I haven't checked my email today. I gotta make sure there's nothing super important on there. Okay, holiday sale, update mailing address, new music. Okay, nothing pressing. Dang it, I wasn't supposed to be on my phone. (sighs) Sorry, Timmy. I didn't mean to get distracted from you like that. I love you. (laughs) Do you like the squeaky? Are you a big fan of the squeaky? (laughs) I should turn my notifications off on my social apps just so that I don't constantly get distracted. All right, I'll check Facebook real quick while I'm turning it off. No way, Mark's in Chicago? I should send him a message. Nope, I'll wait until Timmy's nap. Okay, go to settings, no more notifications on Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat. Phone's going in the pocket. Maybe I shouldn't even keep my phone in my pocket. Isn't there something about phones and radiation? I spent all those months avoiding microwaves, and now I might have a little microwave in my pocket. Hmm, I ought to look this up. (laughs) Oh, later. It can wait until another time. Less time on my phone in front of my kid. That's the goal. (sighs) Timmy, how come it's so hard to change? Okay, so that was Sandra, a new mom in her 20s with her baby, Timmy. Well, she came to an agreement with her husband about putting the phone away when spending time with the baby. But she just can't do it. Why is there this addiction Mm -hmm. to this phone? And after you came to an agreement with your spouse, now you're kind of breaking the rules. Well, raise your hand. Whoever's tried to go on a sabbatical from social media or the phone. (laughs) 
please tell me. No, I tried, but I failed right away. Me too. You can relate. Um, Oh, goodness. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You know, the the phone or the social media provides distraction. It's entertaining. It's kind of a social life. They did create it. They put a lot of psychological thought in it. There's some studies that talk about how there's all sorts of triggers that activate the same kind of, you know, neurons in your brain that Mm -hmm. are activated with, you know, things like drugs. So they do know how to do this, you know, architect it well that you do feel addicted to it, if, if sort of. So there's a lot in there. But, you know, oftentimes when we put in our heads the idea of saying, okay, I'm going to decide to stop doing something. And then we just focus on the stopping of the doing the something. Then mm-hmm. we struggle and we go, wait, why can't I stop? And oftentimes it's because we have to actually have an alternative, another option of what mm-hmm. we're going to do instead. Yes. And that takes the place of that coordinate that the other thing. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm going to stop eating sweets and you ha- happen to notice that every time you have sweets, you do it when you're kind of anxious or when you transition into something. And then you just say, I'm going to stop having sweets. Why can't I stop? You know, and you just sit in there and you're almost just thinking yourself into it. You're just going to dig yourself in a hole, right? Because you're just. <laughs> yes. So instead, you have to have some alternative as a result of that. OK, every time I really want sweet, I'm going to take this bottle of water and I'm going to drink five gulps. So you got to have something in lieu of that which you crave in order to be able to habituate yourself out of a bad habit, whatever it might be. And, you know, the second is trying to figure out what is it that that bad habit that you have, you know, what core need is it fulfilling Mm -hmm. and then figure out how to create some better strategies or coping mechanisms that can meet that core need. Now, sometimes I guess we would need extra help or outside help. I don't know. Jeff, one, why do we not want to change? And then who holds us accountable? Who can hold us accountable if we can't do it ourselves? It's the same. Nobody likes change, but wet babies. And even they cry. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, change is just really hard. And keeping consistent new behaviors when we have change is also difficult. And it really does get back to decision making and understanding that you've got to have a sense of the outcomes that your different behavior changes will result in mm-hmm. and also a sense of just how much or how badly you want and how desirable it is. So if you're thinking about, and this is almost any decision that you make, you've got to have a sense of being able to project ahead and say, okay, if I go this way, it's going to have this consequence. If I go that way, it's going to have this different Mm -hmm. consequence. And then taking yourself to the place where you can really weigh the desirability of those two outcomes is a pretty important practice. And then the follow-through, of course, is the next thing. And I think that we are, are motivated to change and to get to a different place in our decision-making and in the way that our behavior is managed by by different things. I use a little acronym called PIE, P-I-E, because it sort of outlines the different things that motivate certain people. The first P, the P in it is, is pressure. Sometimes we're motivated by pressure. You know, spouses putting lots of pressure on you or a friend or whatever is putting pressure. And some, some of us only motivated by pressure. We're not going to move unless that. The I is incentives. Sometimes incentives will lead us to change. Okay, you know, we do this all the time with children. If you do this, I will give you this, mm. you know, something good that they want. And then some people are motivated by either pressure or incentives. What they really need is encouragement. With our son, we have learned that the big motivator for him for change and even for making good decisions is encouragement. Mm. And I'm not saying those are the only three options, but those 
are three very common ones, and kind of knowing what piece of the pie works for you is an important thing that I think to kind of get clear in your head. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So kind of thinking about the end result, and it will you'll try to attain whatever is Have a vision the of the picture, uh-huh. yeah. You know, that reminds me of, like, gaming theory. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played, you know, Angry Birds or something? Yeah. Uh, maybe you're not a master. I don't even know how many levels there are in the game. <laughs> but, you know, just when you're in a plane or whatever, you know, you see, I see people playing that or Candy Crush, and they enjoy the moment. They might mm-hmm. not be the, you know, master game. But each level, they start with small baby steps, mm-hmm. and then slowly you build into it, into mastery. It would be incredibly frustrating if you start at the first level, you know, having to do all these skills that you haven't acquired at the beginning. So they introduce small incremental steps. But each time that you achieve a level, you get stars and you get like little things that are happening that say you celebrate. So it's enjoyable each process along the way. So when we do say, you know, we want to change another error that we make is that we like, you know, Jeff says we don't have a vision for the future. That's Mm -hmm. exciting. We're just like, I'm never going to use, I'm not just not going to use the phone. Well, you know, it's not very clear. And so it's hazy and it's not something that we look forward to and we don't have small incremental steps. So if we've been consuming six to 12 hours of social media or whatever a day, and then all of a sudden we say, I'm not going to do it. Wow, you said six to 12 hours. And I'm like, oh my God, six to 12 hours. That's wow. average, right? So <laughs> if that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. And then I'm not going to do it. You're like that hard stop is really hard. And then you just, we sell ourselves up for failure. But if we do small baby steps and each step is kind of like a mastery, like, okay, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to check my email and I'm just going to step outside and breathe fresh air before I do anything. Like just start that way for a week. Okay. I did that for a week. And just, you know, you celebrate that moment. And then the next stage would be, okay, now I'm going to do it for five minutes. You know, like we need more incremental stages as well along with the reinforcement pieces that Jeff was talking about, which I think is great, the acronym PI. I like mm-hmm. that. I like the pressure, yeah. incentives, encouragement. Mm-hmm. I jot it on already. Phenomenal <laughs> information. Now, Dr. Alicia, the use of not only the phone, but specifically social media is increasing across all ages. Mm-hmm. The question is, how important is it to set and follow your own rules so that it can have like a positive influence over your kiddos? What do you think, Jeff? We're in kind of a brave new world here with this. The phone is not a phone anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a pocket computer. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest yeah. what it is. Yeah. We've got the Internet in our pockets. And we have all and we've got Siri and we've got all of these pathways to new worlds that we've never had before. I and mean, this is not even a 10-year-old world where we've had this much access to information, to entertainment, and all of the things that come with social media. I'm not throwing my hands up in frustration about that, but I'm just saying I think to some degree we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace because we are all learning as we go along. Mm-hmm. The latest is that we touch these devices over 2,000 times a day. Huh. And many people, it's the first thing they touch when they wake up in the morning. Yeah, they look at their phone. Did I get a you know text from somebody? Or what's the news or the weather? So much information. In the midst of that, though, I think that particularly when you think about parenting or just being a good husband or a good wife, the ability of these devices to truly interfere with human life-on-life relationship is so high, Mm -hmm. it's so great. We need to just be sober about it. But I'm also arguing a little bit that we have to give ourselves some grace. We're just starting to appreciate it. And one simple example that I'll just throw out there is what these devices uh, have done to increase the danger of driving. How many times have you pulled up to a traffic light and someone's just looking down at, at their mobile device or texting or whatever? That's just one example 
of how immediate danger can come from spending too much time looking at the device. And, and there, there's legions of these examples, people out to dinner and everybody's looking at their mobile mm-hmm. instead of actually talking to each other. We bring these kinds of transformative behavioral changes in the human relationships. You know, We know everything that's going to happen is not necessarily going to be good, but we also know that we need to give ourselves some grace as we learn to use the powerful and positive attributes of computers in our pockets, and at the same time, balance them with the destruction of relationships that they can create. Balance. Key word there. Thank you, Jeff. Now, let's go into our next sketch. This was called Lost and Found. Ladies and gentlemen of the 19th Annual Self-Improvement Convention, did someone misplace their chakra? If so, they can pick it up at the Lost and Found located near the West Entrance. Also, there's a cell phone here with a glittery pink case. Namaste. How can I help you, miss? Hi there. I hope that someone turned in a tie-dye army jacket. I left it on the back of my seat at that talk on how sugar limits our motivation. Oh, yeah, I was at that talk. Sugar really kinks our alignment, huh? I know, and I used to love candy, too. But have you been to the lollipop booth? No, what's that? Well, it's a guy, a PhD, whose theory is if we all had one lollipop with every meal, that we'd end up happier and more evenly spaced. Huh. I love lollipops. Well, he gives them out for free, but uh, he really pushes his book on you. Hmm. My backpack is already weighing me down. Stop by the chiropractic booth. If it's not already saddled with sign-ups, maybe there'll be a no-show and you can get in. Do you have to pay? No, but while they align your spine, they will give you a pretty hearty speech about how your spine is a telephone pole and it needs to broadcast or something like that. Has anybody seen a yoga mat? Oh, no, I, I, I don't see that. Speaking of telephones, Have you been to the unplug section? Oh, I've been to every section, from the unplug people to the plug-in people. Has anybody seen a Zen spacer? No, sorry. This is my first year at the convention. So much energy in the air. Oh, yeah, it can be a lot. Last year, there was a rumor that someone actually found true enlightenment and floated. Stop. Where's his booth? A cloud, I guess. Or maybe just the second floor. (laughs) You're funny. Thanks. I subscribe to humor as part of my philosophy. I subscribe to compliments. Giving them, I mean. No, I should try that more often. Has anyone turned in glitter gloves? Nope, nobody turned that in. Oh, I like your shirt. What's 11-11? Oh, you don't 11-11? What's that? It's time. It happens twice a day. All the ones line up. But it's the time for making wishes. It's an old tradition. As old as clocks, I bet. But not as old as time. Oh, that's profound. That is profound. (laughs) Anyway, sorry about all these distractions. Let me uh, look for that. Has anyone turned in a bushel of sage? Nope, haven't seen it. Sorry. People sure do lose a lot of things here at the self-improvement convention. Room for improvement, I guess. (laughs) Now, you said a tie-dye army jacket? That's me. Here we are. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your service to my day and its energy. I never caught your name. It's Waldo. Stop. Your name is Waldo and you work at the Lost and Found? I found myself. Where's Waldo? He found himself. (laughs) Hilarious. Plus, I'm jealous. Oh, it's not so hard if you know where to look. I keep getting lost in this convention. Ah, but when you can go anywhere you want, you can't get lost. That's great. Did you come up with that? No, it's written on the booth over there. Hey, um, has anyone turned in a box of rainbow snap bracelets? Afraid not. Sorry. Waldo, it's been a pleasure. I'm sorry, what was your name? Sadie. Well, have a great convention, Sadie. 
Well, that was fun. Now, I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask Jeff here. In your expertise, how do we teach our kids to be more assertive when it comes to making choices? Obviously, not everyone will have the best interest in mind for them, but how do we prepare them to build that reasonable skepticism? Help our children understand very clearly that there are going to be many instances where they have to navigate a relationship or an encounter with someone, use all the judgment that you hope you poured into them you know, to get to the right kinds of conclusions. And the first place to really start emphasizing is, is just to help kids especially improve their listening skills. And for that, I've tried to be um, very explicit with some really basic behaviors. Focus, concentrate, look a person in the eye, listen to what they're saying, critically reflect. I'll never forget uh, when um, my youngest daughter was about three years old, And she looked up at me one day when we were out running an errand. We were just having a daddy-daughter moment. And she just looked up at me and she said, Daddy, does everybody talk in their mind? Like, everybody talk in their mind? She talking. I was like, oh, so, you know, she's sort of conscious of the inner dialogue that we all have. I mean, we're all doing it all the time. But she just sort of had that moment of consciousness. And I thought, you know. I said, yeah, Natalie, uh, as a matter of fact, everybody does talk in their mind. You're not crazy. That little thing you're doing in your head when your mouth isn't moving is normal. And then the, the thing that I said to her, which is kind of getting to the point that I was making about listening, I said, and some of us need to shut up in our minds. Hmm. You know, we've got so much stuff going on. We are overstimulated. It makes it very difficult to really focus and listen. I know uh, Chick sent me high some of the other people who have um, – done research on uh, the experience called flow and centering, you know, they, they talk about our limited capacity to process thought. And they have some formula, six discrete thoughts in one eighteenth of a second. But the bigger point is, you know, you can't fidget in your hands and look down at your feet and think about what you're going to have for dinner and listen to somebody and really get a clear enough communication so that you can use wisdom and discernment. So I guess my first point is just to get people to improve listening skills by shutting down inner dialogue, establishing eye contact, mm -hmm. and really listening quietly to understand and to get the elements of communication that come not just from what's being said, but a person's body language, their facial expressions. All of that goes into good listening. Mm -hmm. Those are great tips. Phenomenal. So really being present in that moment, like really, really being present in the yes. moment. Great, great, great advice. Thank you, Jeff. Now to Dr. Alicia, I'm going to go a little bit back. Obviously, uh, we had Sadie and Waldo at this uh, self-improvement convention. Oh, and the Girl Scouts came to the studio that day, and they were the girls that the, the people that you kept hearing looking for different things. Those were the Girl Scouts. So, oh, so yay fun. for the Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. um, but going back into this self-improvement convention, obviously the idea here is the thoughts and the ideas that the outside world or the world just keeps throwing at you. Now, Dr. Alicia, how do you or how do we approach self-improvement? And then how do we stay open to other schools of thought different from ours without losing ourselves in the Yeah, you know, it's almost the curse and the blessing of the day that we've adopted the growth mindset, you know, that we definitely want to be back in the day. There was this concept, you were who you were, and that's mm -hmm. it, right? And now we've obviously through the neuroscience of the brain, we see that the brain is very, you know, that there's ongoing growth and that we can grow. And so there's that whole idea of a fixed mindset as well, you know, more of an adaptable one that we're growing. So now you see a plethora of content being mm -hmm. thrown our way in terms of all the self-improvements that we come, and it's just very noisy, and you can get lost in it. And I think I take it back to what Jeff mentioned, and it's the idea, how do we discern among all the voices that are out there? We have to withdraw and reflect 
can take some time to pull away to listen to ourselves and yeah. to, to just kind of sort things through and map things out. Because if you're just jumping from one thing to the other and you're all things, you're not going to have any depth, right? And you're going to be as chaotic as the scene that we envisioned, right, with the skit. So in the midst of the busyness and growth, we want to embrace that mindset. It's all, yes, we want to grow. we got to pick one thing, right? Uh, but how are we going to know that one thing? We just need to pull away and take some time in the busyness and in the fray to just so how do we discern we have to withdraw and reflect some of the best um, leaders out there um, when they interviewed them and they charted their courses what have they done they've taken some time to reflect and pull back Mm -hmm. um, and sort things through and when we don't take that time and we just run amok we are like in the convention center consuming all things and then we're really not doing anything with it yeah yeah Yeah. that makes total sense it reminded me of a there's a friend that i have he's he's a pastor he's a young pastor and not too long ago he took jonathan he took like a sabbatical to do exactly that and then see what they were going to bring him and his wife bring to to their church so that's really interesting withdraw and reflect and even if we're not given a sabbatical for a whole month or you know a summer or what have you we can still take moments Mm -hmm. away you can take a nice hike at a forest preserve for an hour. So you don't have to. Um, it'd be wonderful if we could all have a sabbatical. Can we all month. take a trip but, down to the Star Rock? No. <laughs> but, yeah, we can we can figure out ways that we can integrate that in our life. I think wow. that's pretty important. Awesome. Thank you for that. What do you think can be the consequences of not teaching our kids to be assertive in their decisions as far as our development is concerned? This is just so critical. Much of what we do, of course, is to prepare our kids to be able to stand alone, to make wise decisions, to make wise choices without us being there to guide them and tell them. And some people think, well, you just do that. Just keep telling them over and over again what you would do. Well, you're not going to always be there. They've got to be able to come to sound conclusions on their own to recognize that understanding what your options are and thinking through to the consequences of those options, to reflect, to listen carefully, and to make sure that you're not falling prey to some of the things that can cause ineffective decision-making, some of the things that are very, very basic, like too much information coming at you because you've got too many things going on at once, or the opposite, not having enough information, so you know to ask another question. Just those two basic things alone, which would be good skills that we want to make sure our kids have, just help us get to clarity of mind. And these are things that are just going to have to be happened. Sometimes we model them in the way we react and interact with others, and sometimes we just have to tell them. But getting people to a place of clarity of mind, our children especially, in the interactions that they have, and having them do very basic things in ordinary, everyday counters of life. You know, I can remember many times when um, my children would be with me, I'd go to the store and i go, okay, I want you you to go up and have the exchange with the cashier or you buy your own candy or whatever it is we're getting because I wanted them to just practice really looking an adult in the eye, listening carefully, weighing what they hear and making a decision. These kinds of opportunities come up all the time in everyday life where instead of just telling them, we let them listen, respond, react, make a decision. And then going back to my simple little pie analogy, if they need encouragement, encourage them just to reinforce what behavior you just modeled or maybe you know incentives will work or too often we resort to just one tactic of just pressuring them to do the right thing but that doesn't work when you're gone when pressure is gone they're going to go to whatever the easiest path for them thank you thank you for that now let's listen to our last sketch this one's called captain breakdown i remember the first time i met captain breakdown 
It was fourth grade, back when cargo shorts were all the rage, which was great because the pockets could fit my Discman. Back then, I was a little music head. I would listen to everything, from the Pretty Woman soundtrack to Ethiopian jazz, Ice T to Kenny G. Back then, all my chore money went to CDs. Every week, dollars and fists, I'd have my mom drive me to FYE where I'd pick up as many dollar bin racks as I could carry. My room looked like a forest, but if the trees were CD stacks, I looked like a hoarder. That is, until I met Captain Breakdown. Joey, come on! We gotta finish putting everything out for the garage sale. You better have a box of CDs down here in five minutes. Your room looks like a hoarder's house. Not yet, Mom. I'm still figuring it out. Well, hurry up. The early birds are gonna be here soon. I'm hurrying. Okay. What CDs do I get rid of? Hmm. What is that? Did I leave my Discman on? And now, what's up? Is that I'm here. What's up? <laughs> oh, sorry, little dude. Let me help you up. Who are you? I'm Captain Breakdown. Wow, you have a lot of CDs. What are you doing here? I'm here to help you make a hard decision. I help you break it down. More like you help me knock over my CDs. Yeah, like I said, sorry about that. So, you like songs, right? You know when a song, when it cuts out and it's just the drums, that's called the breakdown. So I'm here to just... Break it down. Well, okay. I gotta figure out what CDs I want to sell. My mom says I need to get rid of a bunch of them for this garage sale today. Decide what you need and you can stay on beat. Well, it would be nice to have a better collection of music, not just a bunch of random stuff. The first round of Breaking It Down, is there really a problem here or an opportunity? I could find a CD I actually want to listen to much easier. The second round of Breaking It Down, organize the problem's parts. Look how these CDs are all mixed together. Watch this. Whoa! Now everything's sorted by genre. The third round. Decide what's essential. Hip-hop, rock, and Peruvian flute music. Really? Yeah, hip-hop is great. That's not the one that surprised me. <laughs> rock? Anyway. All right. I guess I can part with some of my gamelan music and Japanese noise. You got started. The final step is to take stock of how you feel making this change. I feel good. I don't even like half of this stuff. Someone else might enjoy it, but not me. I ought to only keep the stuff I want. Yeah, down it got broke. What? You, you broke it down. Look at this. This was pretty easy after all. Any change is easy if you break down how and why to make it. Take that lesson and run with it, little one. Have a great day. Thanks, Captain Breakdown. Decide what you need. You can stay on beat.
And we're back. And that was a moment in the mind of Joey reminiscing on his deciding moment with Captain Breakdown when he was just 10 years old and trying to decide which CDs to sell at his mom's garage sale. Captain Breakdown broke it down, literally. Decide what you need and what you can stay with. How do we teach our kids about creating good and healthy priorities? Jeff? This idea of helping them to really prioritize, to be able to think about after having broken it down, after you separate the decisions that you're making, doing just a simple act of comparison, mm-hmm. of helping you to see what the outcomes will be of those decisions. Ultimately, that's fundamentally what every decision is about. It's looking at what the discrete components of it are and then projecting what the outcome will be. And then that comparison can lead to choices that will either be positive or more favorable or, or less favorable. And I think that this is this is a critical, critical skill that every child needs and that we have to, with intentionality, reinforce for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just analysis. Take it apart. Look at each piece. Make some conclusion about what the outcome will be once you go in one direction or the other. So I would say just know your options and know their consequences. That's actually uh, how um, it's often laid out. Just define your options and then understand the consequences of each option. And helping children to see that is really, really critical. Awesome. Thank you for that, Jeff. Now, Dr. Alicia, the idea here was to sell these CDs so he can get rid of whatever he didn't need. In life, this happens, right? It's important to declutter. That helps create a better space, whether in the home, in the mind, in life. How important is it to help our kids declutter in all areas and help them give the decisions, the importance each deserves? Because maybe the big ones are getting the little, very small importance, but the little ones are getting overthought. We do it all the time and not saying no to things, just accepting yes, 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 yes. So Mm -hmm. we overcrowd our lives. Mm -hmm. Or with our kids, we overschedule them. I mean, you know, there's Mm -hmm. just so many amazing opportunities. I mean, I don't know. There wasn't so much stuff when I was a kid. Today, it's like... (laughs) You know, there's even a class on, you know, you name it, there's something that you can <laughs> yes. put them in. We overcrowd our kids, too. And so we need to create margins in our lives. And if we don't have margins, then we're just running around from one thing to another. So we have to say no to things. And if we want to say yes, figure out what you can get rid of. Mm-hmm. So there's just, a, there's a lot of movement out there to live a simpler life. More is not necessarily better. If mm-hmm. you're going to buy them more toys, go to, you know, help them take some stuff to Goodwill or, or whatever. So just create those kinds of habits and sometimes maybe you need to unschedule your life a little bit to Mm -hmm. to declutter it and not make it so hectic keep it simple keep it (laughs) keep it keep it simple for sure simple all righty well thank you both for sharing your wealth and knowledge with us today jeff where can we find more about you and urban ministries so urbanministries.com is our website and uh, we've got a number of resources on there for Parents and children, you know, with a focus on Christian education in the context of the mm-hmm. urban setting, quite a, a, a few resources, but that's uh, the main place, urbanministries.com. And we also have urbanfaith.com, which is our blog and current event site. Cool. Thank you for that. Dr. Alicia, what tips do you have for our Keeping It Real segment today? So making decisions, how important that is. Don't run away from them. Just make them. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're going through that thought process, then, you know, there's different things that you can do to sort them out and to have more clarity. One of them is to withdraw, reflect, things in perspective, kind of declutter so you can sort things through. Give your children the opportunity to experience 
that freedom or the autonomy that comes with making decisions and the little things. So later in life, when they grow up, they are able to make those decisions, Mm -hmm. as, as Jeff so well articulated. And I think lastly, sometimes we have to, when we're making a decision, we also have to make decisions not to do certain things. So if you're going to fill your life with things, figure out what things you need to get rid of mm-hmm. so you don't have this life that's overflowing and oozing in all sorts of areas and you don't have time to enjoy it because you're so busy and crazy. Yes. And you know what? Now that you were giving us the tips, I was just <laughs> thinking, also, would it be a good idea to have them be a part of maybe the decisions of the family? Some, you know, some of them. children, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then Especially if you make them part of the... Part of that, then mm-hmm. then it helps them understand that process. And it happens so, so often. For example, I see my children and I see them all the time wrestling and it's so easy if I could just say, well, just go do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy. Yeah. Because, you know, you already know it. And so you're an expert in that area. You're a parent. <laughs> you're an adult. You figured mm-hmm. it out. Good grief. It takes so much more patience to sit there and walk with them and explain things or let them figure it out on their own. And... Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you know, and that's what it is, patient. You know, that's what is required of us as parents to be so patient and to coach them in that regard. The payoff later is that they have the skill sets, the muscle, the decision-making muscle to be able to make it. So when they are confronted with difficult circumstances, pressure or what have you, they've gotten the ability to be able to make those decisions throughout the course of their lifetime versus just always we as parents give them the menu of options. The result. You know, the result. And then later, you know, they're confronted with real life hardcore questions and they don't know how to how to answer them. That's key. So. Thank you for that. All righty. Well, that wraps up today's episode of The Struggle is Real. You can find additional resources, like always, our official website, familybridgesusa.org. Yes, and also we're going to ask you to take a moment and read The Struggle is Real on our app. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And, of course, you can also stay connected with us via social media for the latest on The Struggle is Real with hashtag TSIR and hashtag The Struggle is Real. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I am Omar Ramos. And Dr. Alicia Laos. And Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.